this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? I'm back. It's great to <laughs> so be here. So good to see you, Jay. We've been talking for these last few weeks in the dawn of this yes. new year about hardwiring, about our DNA, about our personality, temperaments, what is in us that cannot be changed, what can be changed. Uh, there are many things in life that we probably need to accept. Uh, my nose, for instance, I'm just going to have to accept it. <laughs> and there are some things that could change. Like maybe I could be a little bit more laid back sometimes instead of so intense. There you go. And, and that balance, how do we determine what can be changed and what can't? And how do we change? It's been the subject of these Viewpoint programs. We're so glad you've joined us today. And we're going to just take you a step deeper into the human journey as we talk mm-hmm. not just about how we can be changed, but how does things... <clears throat> as we talk not just about how we can be changed, but how life can be at its most important moment changed mm. by the changes we make along the way. Stay with us. Lead us to you, show us your mercy, your majesty lifted up on high. It tells of your goodness. Your name
Jay, you and I have been talking for weeks about 23andMe. It's just one of several yes. great companies you can engage to uh, analyze your DNA. And I've taken the test, and I know you have too. Yours mm -hmm. has just been turned in, so you don't have your results back. Uh, but I'm glad that you finally got on the wagon and uh, yes. got that sample in, which generally <laughs> is about some saliva that we put in a vial. Right. I've had right. mine back, and uh, it's been fascinating for me because maybe more than just the ordinary person, I'm interested in this kind of DNA wiring. What part of me is nature, hardwired versus nurture, my environment, because I'm an adopted person. And when right. you're an adoptive person, and especially in my case, I had a closed adoption, which meant I had no access to my family of origin. I was adopted when I was just a few months old, so I have no living memory of my origin. And so all I have is the experience of growing up with a family that adopted me, but I still understood always that I was adopted, which meant that I have certain physical characteristics that are not shared by my family. Uh, that adopted me because I have this physicality from my DNA physically. But at the same time, I know that I have things that my adoptive family have created in me. They've formed and molded me. And yet sometimes I wonder, is this because they have spoken this into my life or am I actually hardwired this way? I mean, so this new advent of DNA analysis is really interesting for me because I can actually learn some things that I might not have otherwise known. And let me just say, as a doctor person, as an adult, I was reunited with my family of origin, my birth family. So now I've been able to kind of measure both. What's nature, what's nurture? It's still right. an open question on some fronts. But mm. all of us have a, a stake in figuring out why are we the way we are? And let's mm. say, just obviously, we all have some characteristics we've inherited by DNA. Can you think of something, Jay, that you reflect that reflects your parents, your family of origin. Oh, sure. Um, great example. Just the other day, I was watching a video. I was uh, on a video doing a Martin Luther King tribute, and it, when the first thing that I noticed when the video popped up was how much I look like my dad as I as I uh, age. And and then there's a way that I laugh sometimes um, that sounds exactly like my father. And uh, I catch myself uh, doing that quite and often. And that's your father's passed away a year ago. Yes. But the memory of your father is very vivid in your lifetime. Right. You, like me, an right. only child. Uh, your dad was right. devoted to his son. And suddenly now you see mm -hmm. yourself, you see your dad yes. in yourself, just physically. You, it's just unmistakable. Yes. And that's obvious. Yes. But how about this other angle? Can you think of something in your life that you know is not physical, but you've probably mm -hmm. learned from your parents, your upbringing? What a characteristic, a way in which you react to things or have ambition for yeah, things? Yeah, just so, just uh, always um, very gracious um, and thoughtful about sending notes to people. Uh, my mom and dad were, and cards uh, to my friends as as they grew up and their kids and, and taking interest. And I find myself uh, doing that, not not quite as well as they did, but something that was um, uh, kind of ingrained in me is, is to, a little note here or there to someone can make a world of difference. And here you are, you're replicating yes. that. And you're not always right. thinking about that. You're just right. doing it. But now you're realizing right. as you stop and think, oh, that's, look at what my parents modeled for me. And, and now you do it exactly. naturally. All of us are this combination, aren't we? I have to tell you an interesting story about my own self-discovery. Uh, when I was growing up, I was very much a bookworm, a nerdy, geeky 
loser guy. <laughs> you know, I'm in. What are you? What I'm, are you trying I'm saying to say, I'm just Jay? out there. Uh, everybody else is playing football, and I'm reading books. Uh, my dad asked me uh, the ninth grade what I wanted for my birthday. I said the collected works of Woodrow Wilson. It's a ten volume oh, set. Oh I mean, he looked gracious. at me like, "Have you ever okay. thought about like a football, <laughs> basketball?" But when I was a kid, I had a World Book Encyclopedia collection, and for fun, mm. seriously, what a whacked out kid. For fun, I just pull mm. out a volume and read it just for fun. Like, I pull out wow. D and start at the beginning yeah. reading the articles on D. I mm. always thought it was odd until I met my birth family, and my Aunt Sarah was telling me about my father. His name was Edward, my birth father. And she said, oh, he was an odd one. He was the youngest of eight children. I said, what do you mean he was odd? Oh, you know, we'd all be at home and singing and playing games and stuff. And he's over in the corner, and he's pulling out the Encyclopedia Britannica and just reading a volume one at a time just for fun. I couldn't believe what she said. Because I didn't grow up with him. I didn't know him at all till I was 39. And yet Mm. we had that same kind of draw strange mystery some way. What is it? Is that in the DNA? Is that in some kind of chemical wiring of the brain? I don't know. We all have this mix of nature and nurture. But no matter how diverse we might be, your family, your looks with your dad, I don't look like your dad, we're different on that score. Uh, You're writing notes like your parents did, I don't do that so much, we're different, you and I, Jay, but we all have differentiation from those around us. We also have something very much in common with every person. And that is we have a beginning. That beginning is defined by some kind of DNA. And we have a progression that's informed by the environment around us. And then we have an end. That end is the last day. That's when our life in this world ends. We all have that beginning and that end. And that's been really powerful for me in the last few days because I just Mm -hmm. lost my mom, as you know, Jay. When I say my mom, the woman who was my mother, she adopted me. Her name was Mildred. Mm -hmm. And she just passed away at the age of 97. And the reason Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, reflecting on this, of course, is I've been playing back in my life, how much of me is like my mom? My dad died two years ago. uh, Mm -hmm. And how much is inherited by my genetic pool? And I've been sorting all that out. But as I was sitting there looking at my mom on the day she died, I happened to just be in the room. And I didn't expect her to die that day. She was mm-hmm. ill at 97. And the doctor said, well, we're not sure she's going to pull out of this. But she was in her apartment, in her bed. And I was there. And she was quiet, just resting. And I just was looking at her and thinking about my life and our life together. And I was her only child and how she picked me up at the orphanage. And I owe my life to her and have so much love Mm. for her. And my mind was flooded with memory and so on. But at 8.45 in the evening, I just was prompted to go up and kneel by her. And I did. And I, I, I knelt by her bed and she was there kind of her eyes half-masked, as I described them. You know, mm-hmm. She was kind yes. of alert, but she didn't really have the energy to have a conversation with me. But I said, Mom, and I took her hand. And I said, I just want you to know, as I whispered into her ear, on two knees, mm-hmm. kneeling right by her, Mom, I love you. I love you so much. And I will always thank God that he gave me to you. Mm-hmm. But then I just was prompted to say by the Spirit, I think, Lord, I want you to know it's okay if you want to leave this world and go and see Jesus face to face. Go. Go mm-hmm. see dad. Go see grandma and grandpa, her parents. and Go see my aunts and uncles. And I started to name members of her family and my family that have already gone on out of this world. And she squeezed my hand as she's always done when she was agreeing with me. Uh, in my adult life, she would take my hand and just squeeze it when I was saying something she loved. And she would squeeze my hand in that same way. And just as I was naming her siblings who have all gone on before, She took a deep breath as she squeezed my hand even more profoundly. She took a real deep breath, and then she paused 
And I thought, whoa, what was that? And then all of a sudden she exhaled again and I started to name other members of the family and then she squeezed my hand again. She took a deep breath. And I promise you, Jay, it was like a window or a doorway in heaven opened. And it was just like this oxygen of heaven that just swept around us. And all of a sudden I knew it was in a moment. My mom is, is at eternity's door and, and I was just holding her hand and she was just looking at me and she just took that second deep breath, paused for a moment and then exhaled. And as she exhaled, she was gone. Mm. And the room, which I was just in this surreal moment, like, I don't know how to describe it, it was just like a window to heaven was open and there was this fresh air. And all of a sudden, it just went out with her. And then I was in this room by myself alone. A moment before, I was with my mom. Now her body was there, but I was alone. Mm. It was a sacred, beautiful moment. And as I experienced that, all I could think about was Jesus saying, I am the door. Right. And my mom chose to walk through the door. Mm-hmm. There's another passage where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He that comes to the Father has to come through me. There's no other way except through me. Mm-hmm. And my mom, and I was thinking about her DNA because I, I wanted her to take the 23andMe test. I literally did. Right. And I thought, okay, whoa, she's gone. And I was thinking about her own history, her own family history and all that. But then I thought about the woman she was and the choices she made because my mom made a decision that she would allow Jesus to transform her life, that whatever she was by her DNA, by her upbringing, she was going to originally surrender her life into his hands. And that's what transformed her. That's what changed every part of her. And the DNA of her resurrected body is made perfect Uh, not any flaw as in this corrupted world. She's restored in her resurrection to the perfection that God had intended for her at the beginning. And that that last step, that most important moment of life actually is your last breath. And how will you prepare for it? When we come back, I want to give you one more text and talk about how you can alter your life's course and everything you are to be ready.
Jay, there's a passage that we've used often in this series from Romans yes. chapter 12. Uh, the very beginning verses talk about the capacity that all of us have to be the recipients of new life, to be changed. Yes. What does it say? It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's a great call and invitation to allow yourself to be changed. 
Jay, you do a lot of work in prisons. You yes. were not long ago in a prison right here in the state of Indiana. And yes. uh, there you met a guy who was a pretty hard, uh, stone-cold yes. criminal. Right. And right. what did he tell you? Well, at the end of our programs, we always allow uh, time for testimony. And, and uh, he, had, he had shared that when he first came in that he was a pretty hardened guy. And, and over time, God had begun to soften his heart and give him a new heart and replace his heart and, and all the things that we like to hear. But then he went a step further to, to talk about how that came about. And, and it was because of his work in, in the hospice area of the prison. And um, he would be at the bedside, just as you were for your mother. He would be at the bedside of those that may not have anybody in this world who were taking their last breath. And uh, one in particular was a gentleman who, uh, he said, had, had come to faith uh, late in his life uh, as a hardened criminal, but now lay dying. And But he had made that choice to follow Jesus and uh, was pretty unresponsive until at the last um, did kind of come to, the, the person said, and said, don't be afraid. The room's just filling up with angels. And they all kind of looked around, and, and they, they did sense that something had changed. And, and with that, uh, he was quickly gone thereafter. But the point of the testimony was um, they made a choice. And now that moment, uh, as you described so beautifully, was now a sacred and beautiful moment for those in the room because they made a choice. Uh, to follow Jesus, to to allow him to come in and transform his heart. And um, it is a beautiful and sacred moment, one that might scare you, but at the same time, we do have that choice. And uh, God's nurturing and God's uh, plan to redeem us um, can provide that type of moment at the end of your life because it's the most important choice that you can make. And to think about, even in prison, people that we might have imagined to be so hardened and and corrupted that, well, they're beyond hope. And yet the transformational grace and power of God works there too. It works everywhere. The day after my mother passed, she passed on a Friday evening. The next Saturday morning, I went to her apartment just to retrieve her purse and things. I thought, nobody's there. Nobody's at home. I don't want to leave anything there until we make final arrangements and so on. As I went to pick up her purse, I found right next to it, a little notebook in which she had written me a note. When she wrote it and how it got next to her purse there that day, I have no idea. But (laughs) in that little book, she wrote one page to my darling son, Jim, and Mm. described how she had given her heart to Jesus and she didn't Mm. want to leave me and didn't want to cause me to be sad, but she knew that Jesus was calling her to himself, that he had prepared Mm. a place for her, and that she Mm. was going to go claim that inheritance because he had transformed her. And then she underlined this, he has made me worthy. And I hope you won't be sad, my darling Jim, that's how she called me, because you can see me also again in heaven. That was a priceless gift. And what we're saying to all of you listening today is you've got DNA that has wired you in a particular way. You have a physique that is consequential in that DNA. You may have some challenges with your physical body because there are corruptions of that DNA that have taken place over time before you were born, but, but it gave you something that is hard to live with. Maybe you have been given great genes and are a film star. Maybe you have some personality temperaments that you feel like you've inherited or you've had experiences or families of origin that have been difficult for you and you don't wish, mm. and, and you wish you did not react the way you do at certain times and places. And I mean, there's all kinds of things. All of us have a story. 
But all of us also have an end. And know this, the most important minute in your life will be that one where you leave this world. Allow God to transform and perfect you now so that you are ready at that last minute to see a room filled with angels, to be able to squeeze someone else's hand as my mom did my own and peacefully take a breath and fall into the arms of Jesus. You can do it. Just let Jesus have you now. He may extend your life for many, many years. He may prepare you for tomorrow, but he will love you and transform you and perfect you. How do you start? Pray. Right now, just take a deep breath and focus with us on speaking to God. Our Father, we're so thankful that you hear our prayers and that you never turn away from a humble heart that approaches you. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and know all about us and that you have made us fearfully and wonderfully and that you, Lord, have made a way for us to move from this world to the next, that you sent your Son into this world and that he is the doorway through which we can walk into eternity with peace and grace and hope and life. We're so thankful, Lord, for the testimonies of those who have come to that last minute and fallen beautifully into your arms. Thank you for your transformational power that makes life in this world, even here now, better and more complete. And we pray, Lord, that there will be many joining us today as we lay our hands, our hearts, our heads, from head to toe, our whole selves before you. Forgive us of our sin. Transform us. Make us new. And prepare us, Lord, for that life to come. Hear our prayer, Lord, because we offer it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give us a call. Wherever you are, whatever you're thinking, whatever your conclusions, just let us hear from you. Call us up toll-free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone 24-7 to hear your voice. Please give us a call. Jay, if someone is not ready to call yet but would like to just check us out online, where would they go? Uh, Jim, they would go to www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's right. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. Viewpoint. We're trying to help you see your world, yourself from heaven's view. CBHviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry. Send us an email. We will reply. Or if you prefer, just write me a letter. Drop it into a mailbox. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Jay, thanks so much for coming alongside. Always glad to be in your company. And always, always thankful to be here, Jim. And give us a call when you get that 23andMe report back. All right. I will. Promise. And for all of you who have tuned in today, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue in our ambition to help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned. <laughs>